WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for Film Sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosa. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. Yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosa. Hello there, film lovers. Welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocy, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. Also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Sosi. The show is available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes. And we have a blog, which you can check out at filmsociology.tumblr.com. Voice you just heard is the man wanting Gordon Hayward money. That's Kobe Slagle. How are you, sir? Doing well. Yourself? Doing okay. Doing just fine. And sitting in studio with us today, Luke Sanders, the Director of Festival Operations for the Indie Film Festival. The the festival formerly known as the Indianapolis International Film Festival, or, or, or we just moved on to a shorter name? Formerly known as the artist, formerly known as IIFF. But he does not have slave tattooed on his face or bearded on his face, so it's all it's all good. Take that, Warner Brothers. So, no, thank you for hanging out with us. Great, great to be here. And uh, the festival is running July seventeenth through the twenty sixth, so we will we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, busy, busy week. Uh, and full disclosure, I'm I'm one of the jurors in the uh, documentary uh, category for the film festival this year. So so there's that. I can't wait for your emails. Cool. Because that really it doesn't really do anything, um, <laughs> but a big week for movies this week in theaters at midnight on DVD and Blu-ray and uh, and and Fathom live events. If you missed it yesterday, and shame on you if you did, but it's they're, they're going to repeat it on uh, July fifteenth at your local Fathom theater event. But the guys from Rift Tracks, including. Film sociology guest Kevin Murphy. Um, they're doing Sharknado, and I, I I just have a feeling watching the guy. You just, just know riffing up riffing on Sharknado is going to be more entertaining than Sharknado itself. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. uh, in preparation of Sharknado two later this month. Uh, yeah, good tie-in I think for those guys. Okay. Uh, kind of like the Twilight movies. They, yeah, have you you have not shown Fair Sweet Bianca Rift Tracks treatment of Twilight yet? No. Have to work on that. Yeah. Have to work on that. But uh, we have watched Sharknado. Looking forward to Sharknado too. Oh, really? Yeah. All the ants still sharking, still <laughs> nadoing. <laughs> the Sharknado is still spinning, still spinning, still <laughs> flying. Um, yeah, that'll that'll be fun. And and also, it, it'll it's also a reminder with uh, with the twelve year old that I'm a, I'm a horrible parent because she has seen Sharknado before Jaws. So nobody's perfect. Well, you know, it'll it'll happen <laughs> someday. <laughs> Just not right now. All right. Anyway, that's happening on the 15th. Check uh, check Fathom events and all that good stuff. Um, the big film for me this week is the new documentary from director Steve James, best known for giving us Hoop Dreams and Real Real Paradise among, and Stevie. Uh, but it's a documentary about film critic Roger Ebert called Life Itself. And uh, for those who – I mean – what was as we find out watching it that they they were going to make a documentary about Ebert's life to begin with, uh, and this and the title it comes from Ebert's uh, autobiography. Well, he he wound up taking a turn for the worse, had to go into hospital, 
and they wind up getting a lot more footage than anticipated. And so you do get the standard kind of bio of Ebert's early life, his his rise to uh, to writing fame, getting the Pulitzer, getting on television, uh, bickering with Roger, with Gene Siskel, and and yes, folks, there are outtakes, and they're they're quite good. Um, and and then getting into his personal life, his alcoholism, his relationship with his wife Chaz, who has now taken over uh, all things Ebert, of course, and. Like it or not, and they start this early on in the film, but but the footage of him in in the hospital. And I know with what he had to go through and how much of his his face and his jaw that he lost, um, they don't pull any punches. You see it right off the bat. There there are moments where you can literally see through him. Um, you're gonna have to deal with it, and and you do that in this. But that that, that just adds to the experience of watching this man who's had an incredible career and then an incredible life. And even after not being able to physically speak, still write, was still writing, was still blogging. You know, he, he put up a blog post the day, I believe the day before he died and was still writing. Um, anybody involved with cinema, anybody who likes cinema, I think whether, whether you agree with critics or not. And, and yeah, there we're, we're any, we, we are an easy target. This proper use of term "we." The royal we. The royal we. Yes, um, and and even Gene and Roger became kind of caricatures. They were made fun of on Saturday Night Live and The Critic and 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 even in Living Color. All that I get it. Yes, but you can't deny how much of an influence these guys had. Um, yours truly included. I was I was nine with my very the very first time I saw sneak previews on P, my local PBS station in Flint, Michigan. And I remember Rocky II and More American Graffiti were being reviewed for some reason. I remember that. I think it was just the concept of two grown men talking about movies, and I went, I got to do that. And they, they actually do – and the other thing is they bring up, uh, which I didn't realize, was the, the, the uh, coast, both coast bias. The, 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 the stations in New York and L.A. did not want to show those guys. They did not want anything Chicago-centric. Meatball calls come in soon. <laughs> Um, and and eventually they were so popular they had to be aired on on television in New York and L.A. So I'm sure there's a dig somewhere about the Eastern Sports Programming Network, but I'm not gonna <laughs> see what I did there. Yeah. So th- that's the sports portion of the film show discussion, <laughs> I think. Um, anyway, anybody who likes it's quick this week, yeah, it's kind of quick. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of a downtime. Nobody cares about soccer anymore. That's not entirely true. Go eleven. Um, I'm sorry. No, nobody cares about somebody other than the U.S. winning anymore. That's that's <laughs> what I meant to say. Um, but anybody who cares about cinema in any way, shape, or form, I think should go see uh, Life itself. Um, and of course, it's rated R. Uh, Ebert, Ebert's had a long time battle with the MPAA, and for good reason. And uh, I think it's just because of words. Well, and maybe a Russ Meyer scene or two, but that's that's really. Um, it's kind of a sad twist that uh, that a man who's such a champion of cinema and the um, and the fact that he fought these fought the rating system showed up the ratings whenever possible put it you know made people think about what's flawed with the rating system itself and then it, it gets an R rating. It's kind of right up there with the King speech of really you're going to give this film an R rating. Kids are going to be corrupted because of bad words and and a slight Russ Meyer and fixation so uh, well the kids are getting all, all sorts of corrupted these days i mean i hear kids are even watching sharknado before jaws so uh, <laughs> the hope for our future thank you yeah i know and you know i showed Let's her focus on the real problems <laughs> the, the, the kids are our future as you know yeah I, sh- I, sh- I showed her uh i showed her the king speech and and i she didn't want to imitate colin firth swearing i i don't get it so um but it and there's a lot of familiar uh, voice. Scorsese's in this. Our guy Werner Herzog. We're still waiting for him to do voiceover work for us. Um, you know, he he championed good cinema, and he also championed uh, up and coming filmmakers like Steve James. I mean, the the relationship that he has with James. Um, it, there's there are moments in here where he James even second guesses himself on getting some footage. Uh, there's there's a particular scene, and you can actually you can hear an interview with. Steve James and Chaz Ebert, uh, if you go to the Fresh Air archives, it was a couple weeks ago. It's it's really, really well done, um, as Fresh Air is known to do. 
and uh, he thought he he got too much info, or was, he got something behind, but and got Rogers' approval, but not Chaz's, and he was worried that there was going to be a riff. And anyway, the, the amount of footage given, and it helps that of course it's a filmmaker that uh, Ebert championed in his early filmmaking career, um, doing the piece. So anyway, if if you appreciate cinema in any way, shape, or form, I think it's required viewing. Even yes, with yes. yes. Yeah, so so go check that out. Most definitely. I'm 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 curious to see if it'll last more than a week, because um, it's all about the dollars, as we know. Also opening in theaters today, um, and oh, uh, why? And not just because it's the most important film. I think this week opening, um, it should. We should also have full disclosure. No press screening for Planet of the Apes, which kind of bummed us out. We were we were really? yeah because. The last one turned out to be the biggest cinematic surprise of the year. because Yeah, because, well, first off, it's not Tim Burton's version. Secondly, it's a reboot that knows the franchise, and it's the, did you see the last Planet of the Apes? No, I did not. Did you, Lucas? Yes. You did? Okay. It's it's a smart reboot of the franchise. There's, um, it's it's Planet of the, the, the beginning origins of Planet of the Apes with a little bit of awakenings thrown in because performance artist James Franco um, has the thing where he's he's basically dealing with science and, and trying to get deal with his father who's suffering from dementia, played by John Lithgow. What was the last one? Was it just Planet of the Apes? No, it was... The Planet of the Apes. No, I, I, I think it's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I thought this one was Rise of the Apes. Or is it Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Did you check that, uh, Mr. Schlegel, make sure? <laughs> Which movie you know what? Because you know today? what? Well, there's so many Planet of the Apes movies in, in the multiplexes right yeah. now. Um, uh, come on. But, but anyway, so it, it wasn't... It wasn't, you know, Burton's version was was a reboot of the uh, a remake of the original where, you know, scientists drops in on a whole new world. This one we see in the last one, we got to see how we got to see the early stages of how it's going to become said title. Do we have it? Rise of the Planet of the Apes 2011, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Not Dawn of the Dead. No. No. <laughs> That's not what we said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh Anyway, it, it wasn't screened for us, and that's kind of a, like I said, it was kind, it's kind of a bummer because we really like, and, and we admit we, we 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 saw a Planet of the Apes title that was a film that was going to be released in August. Really, expectations were low, and it was smart. Andy Serkis was really good in it, and the fact that he's getting billing was kind of cool. And it's also an art film. It's not an art <laughs> film. It's but it but it is what we would call a good popcorn movie, not a pop boiler. But I think a good popcorn movie. So we're at least we're hoping with this one. So anyway, not screened for press. Thanks a lot, Fox. Um, we move on to so when you know when the lines are too long because there's only one Planet of the Apes movie opening in theaters this weekend. <laughs> um, and and if the lines are too long for life itself, you can see the 1960 uh, the Polish black and white drama Ida, which is set in 1960s Poland, and it's a story of a of a young woman who is going to become a nun. Uh, but before taking her vows, finds out uh, that she has one surviving uh, relative, an aunt who's a judge, and uh, goes to visit with her before she takes her oath to find out more about her family. Turns into a little bit of a road trip. Um, we get a little bit of, because it's set in the 1960s, we get a little bit of a, a family history. She finds out her, uh, according to her relative, she's Jewish, and we find out what happened to her family, of course, during the Holocaust. There, but there's also the niece and auntie don't get along right away, and it's a road trip. So guess what? By the end of the road trip, they probably will. Some friends become enemies. Enemies become friends. Something like that. Film bonding. You know what? Char- <laughs> character things lead to plot things. Yeah. We're all richer for the experience. We are richer for the experience. <laughs> and uh, it's not really black and white. It's shot in many, many shades of gray. Not 50. But uh, I know. Her, her, her. Thank you. Did you know? Him? No, yep. that's not what I said. No, that's not what I said. Thanks, Big Daddy. Um, coming in, clocking in a little over eighty minutes. It does feel a little padded. Performances are good, um, and it, the first twenty minutes it, it feels takes padded at eighty minutes. It kind of does, which is a little bit of a bummer. 
Uh, but once it gets once it gets into the heavy plot things in the second half of the film, <laughs> the advanced plot things. The adva- yeah, forget the early plot things. The advanced plot <laughs> things, things are getting more complicated out here. Luke, we use technical terms here at film sociology. So <laughs> I, was, I was looking around lost for. for a um, <laughs> should have given him a glossary coming into this. Yeah, that you, that should be our new film pledge sociology thing. glossary. It's a pamphlet. No, uh, uh, volume one. Yeah, indicating that there's going to be more. <laughs> Like plot things, art film, and be cool. There's there's some of the highlights of volume one of the film sociology glossary. And nasty. Anyway, um but despite that, we yeah, the sec- second half is a little more exciting than the first, as much as a Polish road trip can be in the early nineteen sixties. Uh good film, not a great film. Also, do you have something for that? Um, I think we just did. You could just splice that and use yeah. it some other time. I'm just saying, it's it's snoozable. No, it's not snoozable. It's slightly better than that. Um, we still need to work on the good to mediocre uh, yeah, no. responses. Yeah. Shall I move on? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, let's move on. Um, I think we're. I guess we're going in descending order because also opening in theaters today is the latest film from writer director Paul Haggis, everyone's favorite Best Picture winner of Crash a few years back. Also uh, wrote and directed In the Valley of Ela, which got an Academy Award nomination for Tommy Lee Jones. And I always remember Ed Johnsonot's review of that film in Nuvo, and I've used this term, uh, I've borrowed this term quite often. I have to send him a, an eight-cent royalty check in the next quarter. <laughs> it, with In the Valley of Ela, he said, it's like getting hit over the head with a cardboard tube. Not a hammer, but a cardboard tube. Well, we have Third Person, which stars a bunch of really good actors playing not-so-nice people, and why do we want to spend time with them? Liam Neeson is a Pulitzer Prize-winning writer uh, who's who's having an affair. Uh, the his the object of his affections wants her to read him to read his her latest work. Uh, you have Adrian Brody as a as a con artist. Oh, I'm sorry, businessman. He he he's yeah, I know he steals uh, designs and sells them to the black market. Who is who's involved with uh, a woman who may or may not be in trouble, who may or may not be scamming him in Rome? Neeson is in Paris. Mila Kunis is a woman who is getting a job as a maid, trying to get custody of her son. Uh, she's separated from her husband, played by performance artist James Franco. Um, Kim Basinger and Maria Bello show up later, but their plot and character things don't really kick in until the last third of the film. See what I did there. <laughs> Um, not fun hanging out with these folks. And it's, I guess for Haggis, um, trying to re trying to relive old crash glories, maybe by having multiple storylines and a lot of name actors involved, um, doesn't quite work this time around. No fun to hang out with. Even when there's a twist of, of, of us finding out that the problems of the world are universal. Donnie, you're out of your element. (laughs) Kinda, kinda like that. So, yeah, not 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 a fun show. Not not Lars von Trier. Not fun. We'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> this is a different. Level this is of a not different. Fun. This is a different. Le- this is an easy level of not fun. <laughs> We're getting into the Lars von Trier level of not fun in the next segment. So, so I'm starting to get that there's basic not fun, then there's advanced not fun. Also in the glossary. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is. It was unbelievable. <laughs> um, kinda, but you know, you want you. I I would love this cast to do a, a different film, just not this one. So there's that. Okay, uh, Kobe. Oh, yeah. I know. Uh, do you have your alma mater info? I do know. This weekend at midnight, you won't be there. But silence, oh, of, no. the, silence of the no, lambs. No, 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 no. no? You well, saw not. that, but you saw that, right? No, I have not. You have not. I have not. I have not. And you have no interest? Nope. I should not add it to your account. Nope. Fair Sweet Bianca has no interest in it. Uh, I think she's seen it. Okay, so at least half of your house. Is, well, a third of your house. Frank yeah. hasn't seen it. <laughs> Frank hasn't seen it yet. Uh, the 12-year-old has inquired about it, but really? I think she wants to see it in the daytime. Mm-hmm. This was this was kind of like um, with The Shining. because th- So this, this was my, my daughter's... Uh, introduction to the shining there was an episode of friends where apparently this is the book joey reads every year great um and then there was an episode of south park where it's an homage to the shining because stan's dad buys a blockbuster video in i think it's 2012 and so 
you know, nobody's showing up and he's starting to have hallucinations that there are ghosts and everything. Well, apparently um, later on, uh, Emma was watching an episode of it's it's called uh, I think it's Sam and Cat with Jeanette McCurdy. Don't look up pictures of her online. Uh, Andre Drummond's favorite uh, actress on Nickelodeon. Um, <laughs> but there, they didn't they did an episode that was an homage to Silence of the Lambs. There's a pit. There's there are lotion jokes, not those lotion jokes. Um, there's the trying uh, going to find a kid who's in a juvenile detention hall to get the uh, the bad guy in this particular episode. So that that thank you Nickelodeon for intriguing my daughter with Silence of the Lambs. Not sure how to really take that, but then again, she dug The Shining because of South Park. So I guess we'll we'll give it a shot. But but the stipulation was she wanted to watch it in the daytime. Most of the stuff in The Shining happens in the daytime, though. Yes, but I think it's the, the, the child wanting to watch it in the daytime as opposed to seeing a scary movie. Like, you, you, Mr. Schlegel, I think have a better chance at watching a scary movie in the afternoon than, say, at night. Um, I, I, I promise I this won't turn into a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Kobe, see it. See it. I don't know. I suppose, maybe. Okay, well, now think about your... Actually, probably... Actually, Probably not, because I wouldn't want to kill my afternoon with something like that. That's true. That that I could okay. You see, then I would be more angry after seeing it. Because wow! I have, because you I have blew since, an afternoon yes, because, because I have since wasted an hour and a half to two hours. But you wouldn't be as angry watching it. Would you be more or less angry watching it in the evening? Less. Less. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You're an afternoon guy. I would be. I would be more likely to watch a scary movie i guess at night if in the event that i were to watch a scary movie which which means i'm not it's not opening the gate for me to throw yeah. freaky stuff at you no, yes there's a there's a greater possibility that i would watch a scary movie at night than i would in the middle of the day depending on the time of year so oh no <laughs> no so like october's out um fudge season is out <laughs> Eating fudge and watching horror movies is just Kobe Slagle's ninth circle of hell. See, uh, uh, here, Luke, we're going to fill you in on this. This is also in this is also in the glossary. Kobe and I have had a long running debate on whether fudge is a seasonal treat or not. Um, I say you can have fudge any time of the year. I don't deny that you can have fudge any time of the year. The fact is, fudge is not around any time of the year. But it fudge is. Fudge is only around. Around the holidays, shall, shall making we, it a sh- seasonal. Treat. Shall we run to Marsh and and <laughs> see? I and, and then like it like a jerk. Of course, I bring in fudge, which I'm actually due for. I haven't done it in a couple of months <laughs> to bring That's it in and say, point. "Hmm, look at this." So, Lucas, your take? Uh, I I have to say that it's the the 21st century, and if a person wants fudge, they can go out and, and purchase fudge. Oh wait a minute, I'm sorry, Mike Pence just just. <laughs> Just said no. We can't have fudge unless it's winter time. What about scary movies? Are you a scary movie guy? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm pretty good scary movie guy. Yeah. Do oh, you have fair, fair to middling? That that word that you couldn't think of earlier for the close, but not like not a great scary movie guy, but a good scary movie guy. Okay, that's where I fall. <laughs> okay, not a big scary movie guy. Thank you, Coach Majerus. <laughs> Hi, Rudy Gay. All right, um, let's take a short break now that we've gone through glossaries and psychological tests. <laughs> and speaking of psychological tests, we're going to talk about some stuff that's on DVD. Uh, one documentary that I'm really hoping more people will go see, and then a two-part volume film from Lars von Trier. Oh, boy. Ugh. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the point and WFYI.org. we 
one of these any good? Sir? What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? So do you have any new movies in? Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? They never rent quality flicks. They always pick the most intellectually devoid movie on the racks. Ooh, Navy Seals! It's like in order to join, they have to have an IQ less than their shoe size. Just go, just go open the video store. Yeah, open the video store. Blockbuster Video! Wow, what a difference! Well, in case you didn't see it, here it is again. Thank you, Tyler Hansborough. Welcome back to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msoci at WFYI.org, also on Facebook, also on Twitter at Matthew Soce. Hanging out with uh, Luke Sanders from the Indie Film Festival and hanging out with Kobe Slago. Oh, I forgot to mention um, earlier, the woman the woman who is the uh, the mistress of Liam Neeson, Olivia Wilde. So, uh, and, and gentlemen... There's a lot of Olivia Wilde in this film. There's that. So, uh, anyway, the uh, and then we forgot to mention that uh, at the IMA, that's right, is uh, Hitchcock's Vertigo, but sold out. Wow! So yeah. congratulations. They've had a really good season. They've had a very good season. You, you've seen? Have you seen Vertigo? Um, no. I've Jimmy Stewart Vertigo. obsessed with Kim Novak. No, See, not seen Vertigo. Seen Birds, Rear Window, Rope, Psycho. Psycho. I mean, I made you watch Psycho. Yeah. Um, but so, and but Hitchcock is is a little different from the previous discussion we had, tapping in the Mister Slagle's psyche about yeah, scary movies. Bit. Okay, it probably depends on the picture. Yeah, largely. Okay, so. Uh, anyway, so yeah, good for them that Vertigo is uh, there. Of course, Midnight Movie, Silence of the Lambs, at the Art Craft Theater in Franklin tonight at seven thirty, and tomorrow at two p.m. and seven thirty p.m. I I think Fair Sweet Bianca might refer to this as the stuff from nineteen fifty five, Guys and Dolls. Oh, okay, yeah, I can see that with Frank stuff. Sinatra and yes, a musical singing Marlon Brando. <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> It's it's a music no it's it's a lot of fun so that's that's we're checking out, um, okay moving on to uh, DVDs and Blu-rays this week um, a film that I got to see uh, a couple of months ago of course and it, it played in town I think for a week and now it's out and I'm really hoping people will check this out it's called Jodorowsky's Dune and it's uh, avant-garde filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky whose work includes uh, cult films The Holy Mountain and El Topo. And actually, if you go to Mondo Video, I know I follow them on Facebook. I think this week's discussion was about the Holy Mountain, and it was—it's a film about his attempt of making a film version of the science fiction epic novel Dune in the mid '70s, and uh, was going to bring in people like Mick Jagger, Orson Welles is going to have Salvador Dali, uh, Gloria Swanson. Apparently, Pink Floyd were signed on to do music, and uh, it due to financial. Finan- you know what? Bad financial stuff happened. <laughs> so, But uh, financial difficulties wound up killing the project, and then David Lynch did it a decade later, and we all know how that turned out. So um, watching him, Jodorowsky himself, um, is is fascinating. And, I, I mean, he's obviously the, the star of the picture. Uh, that and his huge book of sketches uh he storyboarded everything and the the details that he put into it and and he's in his early 80s i think he just put out a film last year but to hear the passion that he had over a project that didn't get finished is really admirable to watch and i think it's i i tend to want to watch films about the creative process when i'm working on something whether i'm acting in a play or directing in a play and i was really glad i got to see this when it came out um, it's it's just intriguing, and I would love to have seen what he would have done with it. And the fact that he 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 wound up not taking the number one visual effects artist of his day because he didn't like his vibe, so he brought in the dude that that did work for Dark Star, and uh, it's it's just a, a wonderful documentary worth checking. Worth definitely. Yes, worth. Yes, 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 yes. Have you seen his work yet at all, Jodorowsky's? I've I've seen the Holy Mountain. What did you think? Um, 
tough, tough to categorize. I, I don't. I, I feel like I would need to watch it multiple times to get uh, to to digest any of it. It's say. it's kind of a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. It's El Topo, and it's funny because I found both of them used. Thanks, Half Price, um, on on Blu-ray, and to and and Holy Mountain is kind of a his spiritual journey. I guess is we have and and there are characters that represent the different planets. And uh, so there's there's a lot of different philosophies and religions that are brought up, as well as the journey that these people take. Um, don't I would say, Kobe? Don't expect a lot of whole lot of character things, a lot of cinematic spiritual things okay. happening in in this one. That's different stuff. It is definitely different stuff. <laughs> so, and I, I I'm of course the person I I he did commentaries on both films uh, on the Blu-ray. And he's he's just an intriguing guy. I I still think he should share a condo with the man on wire guy from a few years back. So anyway, that's that's out there. Also out on DVD, a couple of films I wound up liking a, a great deal. The uh, the Jason Bateman's directorial debut, Bad Words, which I was concerned uh, that was anything with bad in the title, whether it's Santa or Teacher or whatever, was going to kind of run its course. And uh, Bateman, this is, I think, the best thing he's done since Arrested Development. He, he, he's become kind of the schlubby every guy who gets caught up in situations like uh, Identity Thief and Horrible Bosses. In this one, he plays a guy who finds a loophole in the uh, student's spelling bee and becomes a part of it. And part of it is to break down, as we find out later on in the film, to break down the foundation of spelling bees as we know it. And if you've seen films like Spellbound or Aquila and the Bee, um, it it needs to be taken down a peg or two, and and Bateman does that and does it really well. There's 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 a few squirm inducing moments, especially as the father to a daughter, um, especially of how he trips up a few kids in the spelling bee itself. Um, it does pull punches a little bit near the end. There's there's a segment at the end. He also winds up having a, taking a young young lad under his wing which we've seen in other films like Bad Santa. Um, and, and what happens at the end, because there, there has to be a winner in this film, um, what they do to uh, each other during a spelling bee, I had seen in another film about a spelling bee, which was kind of a bit of a bummer. So, But um, if you're into tasteless humor, that's, that's worth checking out. What? That, we, I think we're pro-tasteless films here at times, here at Film Sociology. A yeah. little bit. Sometimes. A little bit. Um, also in theaters this week, uh, I say also in video stores this week is uh, Le Weekend with Lindsay Duncan and Jim Broadbent, and it's from what? Uh, I just I, I just played the scene in the beginning of Pulp Fiction about the McDonald's and Burger King. As you oh, La Big Mac. Le, there Le was Weekend. no La Big Mac at, in La Weekend, but they play an English couple that are celebrating their thirtieth anniversary by going to Paris, and. Uh, Duncan and Broadbent really are are the anchors of the show, although Jeff Goldblum shows up in the last third. Um, this is a real movie marriage. This is not a rom-com. Uh, this is not uh, This is not an Edwardian-era uh, marriage, your favorite, Cobes. Uh, but this is a long-time marriage where there are ups and downs and not everything is to the extreme, or at least not extreme enough that... Uh, uh, it, it could go one way, it could go another, but they've been around long enough that they kind of know not so much their limitations, but they know they know how to bounce off of each other. So everything is not ex- entirely the end of the world, although at times it comes kind of close. Mm-hmm. And then with something like that shift, shifts gears and makes something also really, really funny. So, but it's it's a it's a real couple, and they're terrific. <laughs> Uh, see, we were dubbed a real show by Elmore and Leonard, so we kind of feel like Radio Pinocchio. So thanks for that, Dutch. Um, we all we bring all that up. The other film, which I didn't get a chance to see, but it should it should be mentioned, The Raid Two, because if you like bat spit crazy martial art films, um, there's another one. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to explain what I did on uh, on Wednesday. I uh, I took Emma to uh, her IRT conservatory camp. And then uh, had to attend a press screening of the new Zach Braff film, which I will talk about on next week's uh, film sociology. And then I went home because my wife is uh, is out at a conference, and Emma it was at her camp. 
And uh, you've heard me say on the show before, I see films so you don't have to sometimes. What did you see? Ladies and gentlemen, for this show, for you, the public radio listener, your pledge dollars at work, I sat through both volumes of Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac. Luke shaking his head. The hero that people that, that we deserve. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a two part story. And uh, Kobe, could you put up? Yeah, th- I'm 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 going to word this carefully. Make sure it's Nymphomaniac Volume One on IMDb because you don't want to search Nymphomaniac at work. You just don't. Um, it's a story of of two people who. Uh, uh, Stalin Sarsgaard plays a gentleman who f- comes across a woman uh, beaten up and l- laying down on the ground in an alley, and he kind of nurses her back to health. And uh, while she is healing, she starts to tell her life story as a nymphomaniac, going all the way back to her childhood and how she got to where she is today. And it took two films, four hours. Um and the, uh, now, if, if I remember right, uh, Volume 1 was released here in theaters in Indy, and then the next week, Volume 2. Well, I was talking with Mike Perry, who saw both of them in the theater. I sadly did not. Um, so I, I'm intrigued by Lars von Trier's films in the cinema with the other audience members. I didn't have that luxury. I just watched it at home. The cats are okay. Um, there's a lot of talk about this film because of the subject matter. And there is, I'm I'm going to word this carefully. There there are some graphic sex scenes. They're not very long, uh, and and of course they involve some people we know, like Shia LaBeouf, who's uh, when he's not screaming at cabaret performances, apparently has this going on. Um, <laughs> in case you missed in case you miss it, because <laughs> you know what, film sociology, your place for Shia LaBeouf news. No, we're not. Go to Cat Sadler for that. Hi, Cat. Um, but but there is there are a few intense scenes of of uh, a sexual nature and sexual content. Um, it, it's probably going to throw some people that they're like I said, people like Shia LaBeouf, like Jamie Bell. Yes, there's a there's a really intense scene in Volume Two involving Billy Elliot and and some apparatuses. Um, there is there is a bit of nudity. Uh, I know Ed Johnsonot wrote about in his piece in Nouveau about the montage of male members that happens in Volume 1. There's some of that. Um, is it obvious by now? Lar- the films of Lars von Trier, they're not for everybody. And uh, I, I will say I'm I'm still game to watching Lars von Trier's films. At least it's not grown-ups. I, I, will, I, will, I will give it that. Um, and I've been able to defend most of his films. I guess for me, setting the bar, what the hardest of his films to watch was Antichrist. You've seen, I, I, you're I've nodding seen your head. Yes. You see it in the theater or did you watch it at home? I watched it at home. I saw it in the theater. There's a scene where I had to cover my eyes. I haven't covered my eyes since I was a child watching scary movies, but uh, I'm going to word this carefully. It's... But that's you know it's a scene where uh, Willem Dafoe's character is hit in a certain area, and then his his cinema wife does something to him that normally would be entertaining for some, not to, not in this context. And really, to to draw that out into the the broader discourse, that's kind of the Voncher thing: take something that could normally be nice or good or entertaining or pleasurable, and just kind of twist it. And and twist he does with four hour. <laughs> yeah, and that's the other thing is yeah these are not. It's not tintillating. It's not pornographic. And, and there's a thing I, I want to emphasize because I've had people on the show and I've had – well, I'll, I'll say I've had coworkers here. Just because there's nudity in a film does not make it pornographic. And, Kobe, uh, you'll, you'll back me up on this. There was a group of coworkers that had a girls' night out. Yes. And they went to see Love and Other Drugs. First off, bad choice for girls' night out. Well, it – Back back up a little bit because yeah. they had asked you to recommend something. Oh, no. They asked you to choose between Black Swan and The Dilemma, and I told them to see the better film, which was Black Swan. Okay, but what I'm what I was getting back to was the fact that the first Girls' Night Out they they said that there was a lot of nudity in Love and Other Drugs. That's of course Anne Hathaway and Jake Gyllenhaal, and somebody in the group flippantly referred to it as porn. 
no it's a it's an i think that was an ed zwick film it's it's not it's not a porno Zack and Miri made a porno. That's not a porno. And and Nymphomaniac Volumes One and Two. It's not a por- it's not a porno. There's just a lot of nudity. There's there's a, a bit of nudity and a bit of graphic nature of paths that you there's some people just don't want to go down. I understand that. Um, there's some good to it, and there's there's some good scenes in both. Um, are you do you have the IMDb page? Yes. Because I wrote I forgot to write down the actress's name, and I feel terrible. Um, she should be at the top. Joe? Yeah. Charlotte Gainsbourg. Charlotte Gainsbourg, who, by the way, has to be one of the bravest women in show business because she has worked with Lars von Trier many times. It, she worked on this. She worked in Antichrist. She worked on Melancholia. Nice nice film about a wedding and the end of the world. And by the way, lightweight by comparison. Um what she goes, what her character goes through in this film, and and I think as you were mentioning, um, Lars von Trier kind of blurs the lines over kind of reality because there's there's a scene where her character is being whipped by the Jamie Bell character, and it's edited pretty well, but you're still there's there's if you know enough of von Trier's work, you're wondering did she actually get hit, and that's that's unsettling to think about, um, but. She's used to working with them, so so there is that. Um, but but so there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit, uh, and there's also Von Trier, I think there's he's gotten to the point now. He just wants to mess with you, and he's not he's not really hiding it. Something as simple or as cliched as torching a car and hearing talking heads burning down the house, which would be a cliche in any Hollywood movie out there. To um, somebody and kind of an indie rock version of cover tunes. There is a, a girl singing "Hey Joe" at the end of this film, um, but the 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 relationship between her and the Silent Skarsgård character is really one of the better things about it. And then the last five minutes, the rug is pulled out from under you. And that's not really a spoiler alert because it's Lars von Trier, and it shouldn't really surprise you. But I guess it it. It, it, you you wonder and and then you should you should really stop questioning yourself. It's Lars von Trier. He's going to do whatever he wants with his pictures and with you, the audience. Um, Uma Thurman has one scene in it, and she's great. And it's actually the scene I know uh, David Edelstein played in the interview on Fresh Air. And I I, I remember stop. I, I, and it's funny because watching, I forgot she was in this. Um, she plays the wife of a. Uh, the The nymphomaniac goes through at times ten ten guys in a day. And she plays the wife of one of the ten that uh, he has decided to leave his family for. And Thurman shows up with her three boys to her house with the famous line, "Would it be Would it be all right if I showed the children the whoring bed?" Um, Thurman's in the film for maybe not even ten minutes, but she she delivers. It's it's really really strong. Um, so I guess long story long, like. Nymphomaniac Volumes 1 and 2. It's not for everybody. Is it good? Not entirely. Um, I think it's kind of lower on his films. I love Breaking the Waves. I actually, I didn't, I, can, I guess you can say you enjoy Dogville and Mandalay and Dancer in the Dark and Melancholia. I actually liked Melancholia. Um, this is a slug to get through. So you've been warned. It's not porn, but you've been warned. So. You gonna rent it? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's uh, if, if there's a and that, like we're talking about an afternoon that I really just want to feel like I've I've you want to shower <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and and didn't I, I'm not I'm not positive I remember the details, but wasn't he given an anti award by the Cannes Film Festival? Well, he was banned from the Cannes yeah, Film Festival. He was, he, there's because it was on on Melancholia. Uh, he started rambling on about the Nazis, and I think Khan just said, "Yeah, we're we're done with you. Go yeah. away." You can, you can. He's got enough distribution that he's elsewhere. Yeah, go Avachi. Sure. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I thought I remembered hearing that he received an anti award for Antichrist. That they they said not only does this uh, not contribute to the overall body of film, it actually subtracts from it. Wow, I, I don't remember. That sounds like a Roger Ebert one, review. Yeah. I kind of like that. Yeah, That's, <laughs> like you know, where on. where a film is uh, uh, the bot- It's not the bottom of the barrel. It's under the barrel, or it's an insult <laughs> to bottom barrels, barrel bottoms. So. 
Um, yeah, so anyway, there you go. A lot of nymphomaniac talk here on film sociology. A <laughs> um, couple of old titles worth checking out. Um, the question is, do you need these on Blu-ray? Although I heard there's a couple of a couple of titles worth revisiting. One of my all-time favorite revenge films. There's only a handful of them. There's there's Steven Soderbergh's The Limey, um, and 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 for me, John Borman's Point Blank with Lee Marvin, Angie Dickinson. Um, John Vernon, and that that is now out on Blu-ray. It's directed by John Borman and uh, Lee Marvin. At his here you go, Kobe. At his Lee Marvin-esque, <laughs> um, a guy. And this was a film that was later remade and returned around as point uh, as a payback. Uh, Mel Gibson's attempt at uh, remaking Point Blank in Chicago. Um, but uh, but seeing Lee Marvin just. Stomp tail and take names. That's enter- that's that's great late sixties entertainment, and it's the late sixties Kobe, but it's really well done. Different right. time. Uh, also out on DVD or on Blu-ray, I should say, and it's a it's a deluxe edition. Can't wait to see it. From the early eighties, the Walter Hill film Southern Comfort, where a group of uh, National Guardsmen, including Powers Booth, David Carradine, uh, get into an angry war in the swamp with uh, with some angry angry Cajuns, and it's uh, it's not Deliverance. Uh, but there is trouble in the is trouble in the swamp, and there's music by Ry Cooter. So uh, that's also really, really uh, that's a lot of fun. I enjoy Walter Hill's work, and uh, a limited edition. I guess there's only three thousand of these, so get to Amazon bef- uh, today if you haven't already. The Screen Archives Entertainment uh, has three titles of note: Woody Allen's Radio Days, which I really enjoy. It's a nice. It's his uh, 1987 Valentine to live radio. And the stories behind it and around it, and families who all listen to the radio. Uh, a film from the 40s that I directed the stage version of earlier this year, Born Yesterday, which won Judy Holiday a Best Actress Oscar. William uh, uh, William Holden is in it as well as Broderick Crawford. A fun 1940s screwball comedy about a girl, a woman who gets a tutor uh, because of her uh, to get smartened up by her boyfriend's uh, who's got some shady business practices. Uh, anyway, a lot of fun with Judy Holiday, and from 1975, the John Wayne cop film Brannigan. John Wayne only made two modern cop dramas because uh, one of the stories was he was he was one of the first actors to turn down Dirty Harry. Oops, uh, it was, the stories were Frank Sinatra, Paul Newman, and John Wayne turned down Dirty Harry before Clint got him, wow. and. Uh, with the western starting to die down a little bit, and I think uh, the fact that Duke realized he made a kind of a, a career error, made two cop films in the mid seventies. McHugh from nineteen seventy four, which has uh, John Sturgis directed it, which had a really, if anything else, a really cool stunt where a car rolled over nine times on a beach. <laughs> real stunts by real drivers. None of this fast and furious CG nonsense. Uh, Brannigan is a, he plays a, I believe it's a Chicago cop who has to go to England to pick up a, a criminal on the land played by John Vernon. So there's a little bit of the uh, fish out of water, but it's John Wayne in his 70s. Still on the force. Hmm. Anyway, it's amusing. <laughs> Not snoozable. So anyway, those are out there itself. All right. So all that in mind. Wait until after the 26th to go check this out because the Indie Film Festival is happening July 17th through the 26th. Luke Sanders, director of festival operations, has been hanging out, getting way too much Lars von Trier and Kobe Slagle info <laughs> yeah. than any show really should. But uh, but how are things going with the festival this year? Excellent, excellent. Uh, they're, they're, they've gone really well to date. Uh, I'm really pleased with the lineup of films that we're bringing. Um, I'm pleased with all of the, the main events. Uh, probably the, the thing that if I had to pick uh, like most improved, but I think it's going to be even better over last year, uh, is going to be the filmmakers that we're actually going to have present in town. Excellent. So Excellent. Uh, we uh, had a Kickstarter campaign that uh, ended up being successful and let us bring in like, somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 filmmakers over the course of the festival. So, so if you're downtown, ladies and gentlemen, and you see the name tag brigade, show, show some of that who's your pride. That's right. That's right. It's our Super Bowl. No, not really. Um, how many films are on, uh, on the lineup this year? Uh, just under 100 features and shorts altogether. So the shorts will play together in programs. The features will play by themselves. Everything's playing uh, at least two or three times. So if, if you miss one uh, one date, you'll probably be able to catch it later in the week. Mm-hmm. 
and um, s- tell us about some of the filmmakers that are coming in the town. And some, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to ask for favorites because that's like picking your children. And you've, you guys have watched hundreds of films of, uh, in the past year. Yes. So, hundreds, literally. So, so, can you tell us some of the filmmakers that are confirmed that uh, are going to be here? Yeah. So, so one to highlight is Jace Freeman with the documentary uh, "The Ballad of Shovels and Rope." Uh, if you're familiar, a, a band that uh, when he found them and started filming them were touring out of the back of their van. Yes, they were. Married the couple yep. on the road with their dog in a – this is a documentary I've seen. And it's a uh, a, 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 you know, a van with a bed. And, yeah, there it's <laughs> it's the trials and tribulations you've seen of a group, but the fact that they're married uh, and, and a quick rise. Quick, yeah, absolutely meteoric rise to uh, win all sorts of – Awards for songwriting for their genre, um, to to headlining big shows around the country. Um, so the 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 reason I'm I'm you know giving Jace my my Sophie's Choice among all the films I love and the filmmakers will be here. Is so you're sending the rest of the films to the camp. Is that what you're saying? So to uh, wow, that's... So, so to speak. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. Is well, he happens to be a, a native of Indy Metro area, Carmel, to be precise. Ah, okay. So he's a he's a the Hoosier son, to extend a little Hoosier pride to our current Hoosier son. And it, 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 it's, they're a fun couple uh, as you watch this. I mean, it's l- like a lot of these these documentaries of bands on the road. You, you know, but this is this is truly a group you want to succeed. Right. Um, the the music's good. Um, anybody who's been involved with gigs, you've, you've been there as far as travel and money and dealing with people and – you know, there's. I remember there's a without any, giving really anything away, but there's a tent for me. There's a tent scene where they go to a, they have a chance to go to a major recording studio and do some tracks, and then what do you do with them? So, anyway, that's that's out there as well. It certainly helps. They're a fantastic musical act. That definitely doesn't uh, doesn't hurt carrying the film at all. They they need if they have not done a NPR Tiny Desk concert, they they need to get on that. So <laughs> we should send a note to corporate. Yeah. Because they love the film sociology memos. <laughs> hey, can we can we get an espresso bar in the studio? Because that would really help the ambience. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. <laughs> Could you do that, please? No, we have not asked for that. Okay, yeah, just let me know. So uh... yeah, we haven't gotten a response back. If, uh, if we're gonna get the meat smoker or espresso <laughs> espresso machine, um, we'd really like one. Yeah, because we want jerky and, and cappuccinos for our radio show. It's good for our guest. <laughs> No, we're just talking about what. What are some of the events that are that are lined up? Yeah, so the op- opening night party uh, is going to be uh, on the the seventeenth that, w- that we're kicking off with. Uh, that'll be at the old city hall. Um, an opening night film there will be Eye Origins, uh, directed by Mike Cahill, who you may remember from Another Earth. Yes, and uh, I I will be talking about that. I think on next week's show as well. It's it was fun. I will say this about I won't I won't review it, but I will say. I, I didn't realize who made the film going into the press screening, and within five minutes, I'm like, so this has an yep. another Earth feel to it. <laughs> oh, it is. Look at that. Yeah. And hey, look, there she is. So, and there she is. Cool. Yeah. So uh, that'll that's a very exciting event for, for us. Uh, a Square will be DJing the party. Um, if you've been to one of our parties, you know, we kind of have the – the film, drinks, food, and party all, all rolled into one. A little bit of a more encompassing experience. Like the show. No, yeah. not really. Yes. <laughs> Co, we, we, should, we should go represent – that yeah, will be cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll be over here. <laughs> yeah, Luke was on our show, man. It's all right. No, no, no. It's cool. It's cool. No, it's because <laughs> one thing one thing Kobe and I know about at Film Sociology talking with bouncers. <laughs> hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> it's like Ducky and Pretty in Pink, Dice Clay. <laughs> and uh, the the awards are going to be announced that Saturday yeah, mm-hmm. at the IMA. So th- that's a change that I'm really pleased about. Um, I think a lot of times for people who want to come see independent film, you, you look at our 100 films and you go, well, well, what do I go see? Which which one? Not that we think any of the films are necessarily bad, but I think it's nice to have a little bit of a, a decision shortcut for people. to Sure, because sometimes if, you, you know, if, if you're out and you have dinner with a, a friends or a significant other and then – you know, Nymphomaniac probably not the best thing to go see. They're not showing Nymphomaniac, but but is the the right film for the right tone for the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, so those will be all be announced uh, at ceremony at the IMA on Saturday. I think we'll be able to catch those throughout the week. So the, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's something really great to to make this film hopefully uh, you know more accessible for audiences who might not necessarily seek out independent film. And where the, where are you guys holding hosting the screenings at? There's a bunch of different places. Uh, we're primarily going to be at the IMA. Okay. Um, at the Toby Theater there. 
on uh, Friday nights, we'll be at the IMAX Theater downtown to uh, uh, allow the IMAX space for the Friday nights, which you'd already talked about. And uh, if you if you go to there, tell Craig Film Sociology sent you. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and there's libations, which is yes another fancy word for drinks. <laughs> so now for uh, ticket information, where can people go? Uh, ticket information, IndieFilmFest.org. You can buy uh, advanced tickets to all screenings there as well as all access passes ticket bundles uh also on site we'll have a box office there so if you haven't made up your mind you can just show up and buy a ticket right there at the spot very good now have you been able to watch anything now since uh i mean now we 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 met on the the jury the 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 award juries met on tuesday and uh and you had how many of those to deal with We're, we're gonna peek a little behind the curtain a little bit yeah so three categories four features and five shorts each wow so that's a long day at the de- at it's, the desk. It's a long day. It's a long day. And no um, bloodshed. No bloodshed. Civil discourse. Good. Very very organized. So, you personally, <laughs> how many how many films from the, I guess from the festival have you watched? Hard to say. Uh, I, I spend most of my time wrangling uh, the, the the jurists, uh, but I, I've seen Boo. I've seen several. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen a few dozen. Okay. I've, I've seen a, a good sampling, I think, of, of what we have. Now, have you been able to watch anything non-festival related since? Absolutely not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and you won't. Everything so, that comes out in the summer is uh, so twenty, like the June, July twenty seventh. You're probably decompressing somewhere. Probably, In a yeah. chamber. I'm just watching the Transformers movies on repeat. No, you're not. <laughs> no, no. Really? No. no. Really now, our, our buddy Jarrett Moore, um, who we need to get on a show again sometime, uh, he liked it. The new Transformers? Yeah, he did. he did. He said it was better than 2 and 3, but that's not saying a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> I didn't see 2 or 3. I saw the first one and uh, wasn't I, that crazy I about saw, the first one. I saw the, all three. Okay. I missed this one. Oh, that's right, because Eli Wallach died. So thank you, Eli, because I'd rather talk about Eli Wallach's legacy than, than Transformers. Oh, yeah, that was, oh, Transformers came out. Yes, that's right. It was, <laughs> yeah, where we, we waited until minute 59 to bring up Transformers. That's the that's, that's us sticking it to the man here at, at Film Sociology. No, not really. Now, Kobe, Yes. Um, not exactly what is Kobe watching, although we, the, it, it's Phoenix will rise soon, but I know you checked out some stuff recently. Not nothing from my pile, but you checked out some stuff recently. Um, yeah, because you told me during our, our our crack production meeting. Holy cow! What was that? <laughs> oh man! Oh, Bianca was watching uh, Twelve Angry Men earlier. That's this week. right. You. you yes, that's yes, right. Yes. So. yes, and that's when that's when I said Twelve Angry Men, best um, law movie, law centric movie, followed by my cousin Vinny's second greatest and, law centric movie. And I said you were dead wrong in your runner up choice. I picked the verdict. Well, to each his own. Agree to disagree, I believe is what Mr. Burgundy said about that. So but here's a, I think you can quote my cousin Vinny more than you can Twelve Angry Men and and the verdict. That's yeah. my guess. Yeah. A little bit? Probably. What's a Ute? To what? <laughs> So, well, that's cool. So that's out there. Um, yeah, I got to check in with uh, with with the Emma on her her list. The Emma. The, she is the Emma. You know that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so just just a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Silence of the Lambs, Midnight at Landmark Keystone Art Cinemas. And I know that, that is going to be the following weekends will be, um, I think it's Clue and then Princess Bride. Are the are rounding up the summer? What's what's yeah, I think so. what's the rest of the season at the IMA? Because oh, Vertigo's Vertigo is sold out, so bad for you, good for uh, good for them. That's okay, that's all right. So you got it up I gotta there. I gotta find it here. Okay, Damn. just Joe. I guess I guess rounding up like they used to do on sneak previews. Uh, definitely go check out Life Itself. It's one of the best films of the year. You can go to Nuvo or Nuvo.net and read Ed Johnson's five star review. Uh, he's forced to give stars, and uh, and five is up there. Uh, Ida is also che- worth checking out. Um, third person, no. Uh, new, <laughs> no. Grumpy Cats is new. Uh, the best of the film titles on uh, Blu-ray this week: Jodorowsky's Dune, followed by La Weekend and Bad Words. Then there's Nymphomaniac Volumes One and Two. You've been warned. Not recommending it. Well, not recommending it for all. But if you want to be astounded and amazed, my my first Lars von Trier experience was Breaking the Waves, which was, I think, a lot of people's. And watching Emily Watson in that film was amazing. And, and also the, feel, the feeling of how far and how dark can this film get 
Well, now that I've seen more than you, now that you've after after that, it's expected. You know, I think so. You know, no. Okay, uh, do we have the rest of the IMA lineup? Uh, there's a whole bunch. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going. They got to, a bunch of stuff. What are you, uh, Joe Shearer? Now <laughs> we <laughs> no, have the Indiana this. Black Expo Film Festival next week. Oh, that's right. Huck, yes, good. Flash Dance, American Graffiti, Clue, The Odd Couple, Mean Girls, and closing out August 29th, The Godfather. There you go. Okay, words to live by. Oh man, see, you, you had yeah, me on that. You thing. just gave me the one minute signal. You had me on that thing, and then I had to. Oh, go. 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 Go.